part of the big conversation in the Faculty of Education. We love bringing in colleagues and visitors from our wider partnership and our wider community. So I am delighted to have Dr. Deborah Riding here with us on campus today. Deborah has worked as a gallery educator, a program manager, and a researcher for over 20 years. Her research interests are co-creation in galleries and collaborative curatorial models and knowledge generation. Can't wait to hear more about that. Deborah is also the principal editor of iJade, which is the International Journal of Art and Design Education. She's starting a very exciting new role with arts and health in the NHS, and she also consults in a wide variety of settings. So we are just delighted to have you here today, Deborah. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. No problem at all. So galleries, why galleries? Why, why are they important spaces for children and for educators? Um, well, I think there's whenever there is emphasis on creative activity and creative engagement in the curriculum and in schools, the emphasis tends to be on children and young people as future creatives, which is very important. Yeah. You know, it's important that we that we share um, and, and develop the, the aspirations of young people to become the the. Um, the playwrights, the artists, the musicians of the future. But we also want to help them become confident cultural consumers as well. There's no point having these fabulous creatives if there's no audience. Um, and so I think it's really, really important that when we're developing engagement with galleries, we think about developing children and young people's confidence in coming into gallery spaces um, developing their own ideas, articulating and sharing those ideas, and just enjoying what, what galleries have to offer. Um, and I, I suppose in terms of, of what we're talking about today, it's really important to develop teachers' confidence in being able to facilitate that with children and young people. Um, I think galleries are, are wonderful, creative learning and teaching environments, and they provide an opportunity for children to learn in different ways, for teachers to interact with their children Definitely. in different ways and adopt kind of more democratic ways of engaging um, with the things that they're looking at and talking about, perhaps. Um, and I think nothing can replace that um, actual in the flesh experience of an artwork and you know sometimes that's something that you're very familiar with you've seen it in books you've learned about it in the classroom and then you see it for real and you have that wow um i didn't realize it was that big i didn't realize it was that small um you know but but nothing can replace that but also the thing the unexpected things the things that you might not find on the internet or in an art book or that your teacher mightn't tell you about that you stumble across in a gallery. Um, and it's really important that children have those experiences to, to kind of find out for themselves um, what it's like to be stood in front of something that really moves them or interests them or even repulses them or that they don't understand. I think that, you know, you've given such wonderful and wise advice there on galleries, but I think there are still misconceptions about galleries as spaces. I think that there is work to be done around demystifying them and children and actually some teachers can see galleries as spaces where you're going to get shh. You know, almost like a library environment. So 
how do you overcome that? How do you engage people who haven't necessarily um, looked at art before or been in a gallery space? How do you make them feel part of that space? Um, well, I think, I mean, we I've done quite a lot of work with the Faculty of Education um, on a, a specific research programme that looked at what the impact of offering a sustained engagement with the gallery for what that offered for teachers and children. So um, that was a, a schools in residence programme where we had um, primary school classes in the gallery for a whole week. Um, and we worked with the children and the teachers to, to look at how that affected how they felt in the gallery. Um, and what we found out isn't particularly surprising that teachers initially found them quite intimidating spaces, as you say. Um, and I think my a lot of my experience comes from um, modern and contemporary galleries. I think if you go into a very traditional gallery space where it's a Victorian figurative painting, then people feel quite confident talking about what the story behind the painting might yeah. be. There are things that they are familiar with. Um, I think if you go into a modern and contemporary space, it can be very baffling. And I think for teachers, there's the added concern that, you know, there might be something unsuitable or something that, you know, they might have wanted a warning about, and that does happen. So I guess in practical terms, I would advise always, if you can, to go and do a bit of a recce. You know, if you can spare the time, you know, it's an enjoyable experience. Absolutely. I know how busy teachers are. Um, but, you know, go along to whatever the gallery is, if you can, have a little look around so that you know if there's anything you might want to avoid or that you might want to focus on. Um, if you can take photos, take some photos so that when you're preparing the children for the visit, you can show them what the space is going to be like what a visitor experience assistant might look like, who are the people they're going to encounter when they get there. Um, and obviously, with all galleries, that there are conservation issues and people do have to be mindful of not damaging the work. But you can do that in, you know, in very constructive ways with children and young people by talking about what the reason, you know, don't just say, don't touch anything, explain why you can't touch things. Um, so I think there are very practical things you can do to prepare for that. But I also think when you get there, have a chat about it. Have a chat about how Definitely. you're feeling. Does this feel strange? Do you feel awkward? Do you feel welcome? Uh, because quite often children might have a different experience to you. Um, and it's good to be kind of open and, and transparent about how you're all feeling when you get there. And I think the same could be said of a museum or a new swimming pool. You know, there are always going to be different reactions. And I think one thing about galleries is they're such welcoming spaces. It doesn't matter who you speak with. They've got knowledge. They've got passion. They've got warmth. And teachers need to need to use that, don't they? I think that that's really important. Uh, we've talked about some of the challenges for teachers using gallery spaces. Do you see any others that you think can be overcome or embraced? What do you see as the, the challenges for teachers? Um, well, I mean, I think um, 
getting out on visits for a start is problematic. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, you know, we know that there is, there's lots and lots of, of really robust evidence about how important learning outside of the classroom is. Um, I think if you're going to go on a gallery visit, it doesn't always have to be uh, Tate Modern. It doesn't always have to be a big coach trip somewhere. You know, there are smaller galleries on your doorstep. Make use of them because you know those community arts resources that you have take advantage of them um i think one of the barriers sometimes is that um people will only support well senior management will support external visits if there are very explicit curriculum links and quite often they might not be there you know if you can go to a gallery that has a tudor portrait and you're learning about the Tudors, then that's fine. But if it's a modern and contemporary gallery and it's a contemporary practitioner, it's a bit more difficult to make those links. But what I would say, um, and you know, if you, if you want to look at the paper that, that we produced from the Schools in Residence programme, there are different ways that you can link with your curriculum. So you can be developing skills in literacy, um, communication, children's kind of creativity. Um, but also you can use the artworks either to enhance and expand an area of the curriculum or to consolidate children's learning. So we found that, that using artworks in both of those ways um, was really effective during the, the residency because teachers were using artworks that they hadn't seen before, the children hadn't seen before, uh, but they were, they were following the children's lead, raising a topic that they covered in the classroom, asking children to then make a connection between that and an artwork in quite a creative way and that was really effective and I guess that the, the most important sort of message I would like to say is that you know I think I think modern and contemporary galleries are spaces where we feel um, a lack of expertise I think you know we'll we'll go along to a Shakespeare play we might not understand all of it but we kind of get the gist of it and we get you know, wrapped up in the, the the comedy of it or the tragedy of it or we'll go to a music recital and enjoy it just on face value um, I think modern and contemporary art people have those hang-ups that they have to understand it in, in quite a, a scholarly way and that there is one understanding and I think my top tip for teachers is just go with it. Don't over-research particular artworks. Go with the children and position yourself as a co-researcher with them. Generate lots and lots of speculative dialogue around that work rather than feeling you have to know everything about it. And I think there, it's, it's a comfort zone issue, isn't it? Because as, as teachers, as educators, you normally plan your curriculum, you, you know pretty much what you're doing. And in a gallery space, particularly a contemporary space, you've got that freedom, haven't you? Everything becomes so malleable. And I know when I've taken children to, for example, take Liverpool, the, the, the avenues and the, the sprouts that they come up with are absolutely phenomenal. And that's that's really important. So that, that freedom of of sensory exp exploration if you like is is something that that maybe we should chat about i noticed in one of your resources 
you talked about the use of soundscapes. Could you just explain what a soundscape is for us, Deborah? Yeah, so this is this is a kind of gallery education technique, uh, one of many, which is about getting groups to spend a little bit longer looking at an artwork and engaging with it. Um, so there are there are many statistics and they vary about how long the average person spends and it's usually a couple of seconds. So slowing down that looking, getting people to spend longer um, and to engage with it on different levels. So a soundscape is what kind of sounds would you hear if you were in that artwork? Um, now it might be a figurative artwork of you know people um on a beach and then it's very obvious what mm. the soundscape might be there might be seagulls there might be waves crashing there might be children playing um if it's an abstract artwork then that's that's kind of quite challenging but really really productive yeah. in terms of spending a bit longer with it and thinking about it because then you're thinking, well, what what might the colours mean? What are the what kind of mood um, is created by the mark making? Um, you're suddenly thinking about the smell of the paint or the the what you imagine it would be like to touch the the material that it's been sculpted out of, whatever the artwork is. So I think it, you know those sensory ways and non-verbal ways are really really useful. Um, you know, a lot of the time I've, I've seen um, groups, school groups in galleries and they're using drawing in a very particular way. Yeah. Um, so it, and they're, they're copying essentially. Yeah. Whereas you can use drawing in a much more investigative way. You can get children to collaborate on drawings together and not talk. So they're creating a conversation about what they're looking at, but through their drawing. Um, you can get people to draw thinking about um, what what a, a, a painting or a sculpture would be like if it was made out of a completely different material. So you're using different senses to engage on a much deeper level. And that kind of approach is, is not just collaborative, but it's inclusive, it's accessible, and it's allowing pupils who may not necessarily access the curriculum in a traditional classroom in as rich a manner as they would do in, in a contemporary gallery. Um, your work, your published work is really, really interesting. And I was looking at the paper that you produce with Dr. Helen O'Keefe, Kate Talbot-Landers and Nicola Grimshaw. And you talked lots in there about generating new knowledge together, about the concept of the gallery being the almost catalyst for teachers and, and gallery educators to create that with children. Why is that important? Why why is that collaborative nature of art important? Um, well, I mean, a lot of my own research has been about this idea of gallery education comes from a position of encouraging people to develop and co-construct new knowledge about artworks. But actually, when you run those sessions, even though they can be very positive experiences, people will quite often be ambivalent about that knowledge and then say, oh, go on, tell me what it really means. Um, and that really um, was at the root of the research that I did that identified that um, 
you know, there are lots of programs in galleries and museums now that are around increasing participation, um, increasingly changing those spaces into much more dynamic spaces that are inviting collaborations from their audiences. And I wanted to sort of think about, well, that's that's all well and good, but what about the actual knowledge, this yeah. knowledge that's being created in those in those moments is being lost because people aren't valuing it. Um, so my research was about this idea of could you co-create knowledge? And one of the things that I proposed was that to enable that to happen, you would really have to have a very different position about what knowledge is um, and be willing to kind of shift your idea of what knowledge is. Um, and so the paper that we wrote was applying that to the schools in residency programme. And it was, it was positioning the gallery as this space of not knowing. So rather than this authoritative space that children and teachers would encounter and they would be told one story about the artwork. It was looking at strategies that could be put in place so that teachers and children would feel, oh, okay, that's one way of presenting that artwork and that's one knowledge about it. But actually, the, I, I, could, I could bring my own knowledge, we could develop a story about that artwork together and how is that valued and, and how does that generate new knowledge about the artwork? And what does that mean to children? How, how do you see children develop or grow or change when they're given those experiences to, to just be creative in a creative space? Well, I mean, a lot of the work that I do only sees what happens in the galleries. I mean, this project that, that we've been talking about was quite nice because I spent time in the classrooms as well. Lovely. Um, it's a different experience for children. I think children sometimes find it quite surprising and shocking if their teachers don't know everything and their teachers are kind of vulnerable and say, yes. I don't know that, let's find out together or what do you think, let's, you know, let's speculate about it. Um, and that's really, really powerful. And, and honestly, I know it takes a brave teacher to step out of their comfort zone into that position, but it's so powerful. It really, with some of the teachers we did the research with, they said that it really changed their relationship with, with that class, with those children. There are children who um, just that feeling of being empowered, being listened to, has immense um, impact on their self-confidence, their self-esteem, their communication skills. Um, and their ability to kind of feel confident talking, standing up in the gallery, standing yeah. up in front of an artwork. Um, and one of the things that's that's really interesting is that when children have spent a bit of time with a gallery, whether that's they've had, you know, a week's residency or they've, you know, they've been a few times, um, they feel so confident and proud of what they know and their new skills that they've developed. They're usually very, very keen to bring their families, yes. bring their parents, yes. so that they can give them a tour, they can be the guide. And then, of course, you're having more impact in your community. You're generating new audiences and, you know, positioning those cultural resources for family visits. I remember having a, a child in a year four class in um, quite a challenging area of St. Helens and bringing them to the Tate. 
And at my next parents' evening, their, their parents really told me off. I thought, oh, gosh, what have I done wrong here? He had asked that they change their family holiday where they usually go to a particular part of Spain that's very well known for, for tourists. And he'd asked to go to Bilbao to go to the Guggenheim. So I was absolutely, you know, buzzing with this. But I do think that that, that is a really important part of the journey. You know, it, it pulls people into gallery spaces who perhaps don't think that that space belongs to them. And I know you mentioned community art. You know, we've got we've got the likes of Kirby Gallery yeah. just down the road with, with Quentin Blake there at the moment. Art in the community, why does it matter? Why should people engage with or look for the art that's in their community? Um, well, I think it's just, it's such an important part of communities. You know, we know that engagement with the arts whether you're a consumer or whether you're making and being creative yourself is really important not only to education and attainment but to your mental health and well-being and your physical well-being in, in lots of respects it's it's really important for commu community cohesion it's really useful in terms of connecting different areas so you know the work that i'm starting to do now is with the NHS, um, connecting, you know, kind of clinical settings with education settings, with cultural settings. We can all support each other. And at the moment, we all need that support and oh, we all yeah. need that joy and enrichment in our lives. And I think people can't always afford or have the time or the means to go to London or even into Liverpool. Yeah. Um, but there are things closer to home that quite often parents don't know about. Um, and I think teachers have a have a really important role in communicating that. So, you know, what you were just saying, that anecdote then, share that with, if you go to a gallery, get the children to write a letter and tell them what they've done, or, you know, contact the gallery later on and say, anecdotally, I've heard this from parents, because that's really important. Galleries love to hear that. They want to make those sustainable, long-term connections with schools. Um, so you're you're in this position now where you are this, this conduit, this catalyst for creativity between the arts sector, between the education sector, and now bringing health into that as well. I mean, that is, that is such an exciting opportunity. If you could wave your magic wand and and create something create an outcome or a feeling or or something what would you really want to see happening to bring those sectors together i think there is still unfortunately quite a lot of advocacy to be done i think in both of those sectors the arts is seen as something nice if there's, you know, it's the cherry on the cake. Mm. It's not essential. It's not a priority. Um, and I think there is lots and lots of evidence. There's lots of research that demonstrate how important and how powerful and impactful cultural and creative engagement can be. If I could wave a magic wand, we wouldn't have to do that advocacy work. We could just crack on with running programs and connecting people. Um, and I, but I know that that advocacy is an important part of, of all of the kinds of roles I've had in the past and roles that I will go on to have in the future. 
Um, but you know, we've got so much. Um, we've got so much fantastic practice um, and research and ideas and young people coming up who, you know, hopefully we won't have to advocate to. Absolutely. Deborah, you know, such a, a legacy of thinking and such an exciting future as well. Thank you so much for talking to us and I can't wait for you to, to come back and let us know what your exciting new projects are. Oh, Thank really. you very much. Thank you.